Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I'm very happy to welcome Bobby Laporte to... Smart, Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. I recently heard Bobby tell her story of training and participating in the Ironman Triathlon and absolutely had to have her share her story with you. By the way, she's training for her seventh triathlon. But that's not her only job. She is the founder and CEO of Bobby Laporte and Associates an advisory and consulting firm providing leadership and organizational development services for Fortune 500 companies, global organizations, and promising startups. Prior to founding her business, Bobby served as a CEO, COO, and CMO roles in several Fortune 50 companies, including IBM, GE, and United Healthcare, and also led two healthcare technology startups as well. She has an MBA from Harvard, and a master's in positive leadership and strategy from IE and Madrid. Right now, she is focused on helping leaders navigate today's unprecedented, unprecedented stability issues and breakthrough and has a breakthrough framework and workshops, keynotes, and enterprise-wide learning programs and one-to-one executive coaching and advisory services. She is also releasing her very first book, When the Curveballs Keep Coming, a leadership playbook for an uncertain world. So I'm delighted to have you, Bobby, and talking to you today. So uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, we, you know, we're persistence. And I think that's uh, that's the key right now is persistence, yes. you know, and uh if you're in this business in the world, it is about persistence and being very tenacious. But uh, I want to ask you something because um, I, I'm I'm also an athlete. I have been. I've, I've run the New York Marathon. I've done wow across the country uh, in Alaska, Ireland. Um, and so, and, and again, you know, running, it was very important to me and did lots of 10 Ks. And now I have my own equestrian center and I, I uh, ride drive and breed Arabian horses. So, um, you know, uh, I was a tomboy. I went out there and I didn't like being a girl. When the boys came, (laughs) they didn't come to date me. They came to play softball, kickball, things that I wanted to play, you know? And so for me, when I heard you say Iron Man, the first thing I said, why aren't you an Iron Woman? (laughs) 
because <laughs> I think that is, I'm sure you've heard this question over and yes. over again, but, but again, there are lots of women competing as triathletes, including my, my middle daughter, Lee. She lives in California as well, ah. has participated in several triathlons. So yeah. I'm very familiar. I don't, she has not done the Iron Woman but she has done other <laughs> triathlons. So why isn't the, how aren't the women calling themselves Iron Woman? I don't know, because it's the uh, the Iron Man is just the brand. You know, there's a corporation that owns the Iron Man brand and runs all the races. And I mean, you, you could assume it's sort of generic, but, you know, it started 35 years ago with two or three guys that were, in, uh, that were based in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And one was a, one was that they were all Navy guys. One was a swimmer, one was a cyclist and one was a runner. And they were sort of at a bar one night debating, you know, who was, who was the best athlete? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so they put the three events, these three events together on the island of Oahu. And that was the first Ironman. And I forget like the, I don't know, like the seventies or something. And, yeah. uh, and then obviously now it's like a billion dollar business, but yeah, it's just man in terms of Sort of well, the generic I, definition I, of the race. I'm sorry, I'm not going to call you an Iron Man. I'm going to call you an <laughs> Iron Woman. Oh, okay, that sounds so, good. Well, this is your first book. You're, you're very familiar with the, the business world and leadership, and you mm-hmm. have a background for it. But, uh, you know, I, we, we are in some challenging times. But one of the things, again, I think is very important for people to know, especially about you, we want them to go and read your book and learn more about your executive coaching and all the things that you're doing mm-hmm. with leaders. But how did you get to be you? I mean, I, I know I know about your triathlons and so forth, and that in itself probably is a story, too. But how did you get to be the Bobby I'm speaking to today? For me, there's two elements of that. One is my business and one then, and they're, they're tightly integrated, right? And then one is my training and my racing. Yeah. Um, so I grew up on the East Coast and uh, I, I mean, I, I was like you, you know, which is really funny. I grew up in a neighborhood, was a new development. There were all boys. I was the only girl. I was an only child and same thing. You know, I would like, you know, climb trees and, you know, pick up frogs and play baseball. And so I, you know, I grew up being a tomboy also. Uh, but when I started my corporate career, I was mainly on the East Coast. I came to California to start a company in the um, like 1995. And so did, did a bunch of different things here. In 2002, one of the tech companies that I was running got sold. And so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And if you were, if you remember, that was the year of the dot-com bust, right? So nobody was hiring anybody. Yeah. And um, so I was trying to decide what I was going to do next. And somebody said to me, you should work with, there's this guy who was this really well-known executive coach. And they said, you should um, work with him. You should hire him. And I just thought, you know, I'm from Boston. I thought that is such a California woo-woo thing. I mean, executive coach, what is that? You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I grew up, and I, I, we just figured things out for ourselves. And I just thought that was so, but I did. I engaged him. And in the process of working with him, one day he said to me, you should do what I do. And I thought that was really interesting. And he helped me to understand that while I liked, you know, running businesses and building businesses, the sort of key to that uh, for me at the end of the day was about seeing possibilities for the people that were in the organization. So I started working, started doing executive coaching, and then I started broad, you know, broadened out to working with leadership teams and doing more organizational development. But a key part of that was when I did my first Ironman, it's like 12, 13 years ago now. And executives I was working with would say to me, you know, there's something different about you, right? And you know this from, from being an endurance athlete and running and they say something's different. And 
So I started to think about the person I was becoming as an endurance athlete and how that was affecting my ability to see what was possible for me and what I was learning about my capabilities and my vulnerabilities and how I would push myself. And then I started doing a lot of research on the connection between endurance athletes and leadership. And, you know, so that became a part of sort of my brand and a part of the advisory work that I do now. Um, So whenever I'm working with teams, I'm always trying to bring in some of the lessons that I've learned about being resilient and about pushing yourself and seeing what you're actually capable of. And as you saw from the example that I provided at the um, DVM conference, um, you learn a lot about dealing with uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I loved in the book when uh, somebody kicked off your goggles uh, (laughs) at the very beginning of the race and then you were thinking to yourself, geez, what am I going to do? I can't see, you know, there's thousands of people around me kicking and arms are flailing. Right. Uh, you know, and I, I think that really is, there is an advantage when you've, uh, when you've done any kind of endurance sport is that you really have to do a lot of thinking. Well, you also have a lot of time to think. Yes. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, I, I actually did a marathon after I got my doctorate because I felt I felt that I really needed to reconnect with myself. I felt like the education and and the pressure and the challenge that I was constantly under to complete my doctorate just when I when I when I quit I, I didn't even know who I was yeah so for me the marathon was a way of reconnecting <clears throat> myself that training was that talking and and trying to figure out who I was again I'm not going to ignore the book because the book is excellent it's a very nice tool and it's easy to read. Uh, it's very succinct. You can go from chapter to chapter real quickly, and you can go and find key points. But some of the things, one of the things that you said, which I really think is very important right now, what you think you know doesn't count anymore. Right. And and, uh, and I and I like that because I thought you're right because we have to think differently. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I think COVID, in many respects, has cleared up a lot of things for me. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's cleared up a lot of things for other other people, especially in business and leaders, is that they realize what is what is truly important. Important, yeah. And all the other garbage goes away. But but again, you know, you used. Uh, I mean, again, as, as an athlete, you have to be very sensitive. Very, uh, you have to see the big picture. You have to see the small details. But you know, the words that I like to use are empathetic, mm-hmm. being empathetic. Yes. But, vulnerable because you yes. swimming that day uh, and they kicked off your goggles left you more vulnerable than you ever expected and you know and yes. when I ran that marathon it was the hottest one they'd ever had in New York the hottest one ever and I've been training in cold weather so you know I mean it, it's like people need to understand that you're going to wake up today and you're not promised an hour from now. You're not. And yesterday's yep. gone. And That's there's right. no, ain't going to do about it. So so I love the book. I like the concept. And it's really based on military uh, procedures as well, which is fantastic. But when the curveball comes, leadership uncertainty, you know, but you, you come from a background of positive leadership. And I think that's exactly what we need now. Tell me as a define to me a positive leader. <clears throat> Positive leadership is actually a field Mm -hmm. um, from um, positive psychology. Right. 
So um, impositive leadership has lots of different meetings, but for me, you know, I think the most important thing is it means for leaders that they're not, they're operating from a place of where they can see what's possible. Mm-hmm. And so it's, a, <clears throat> it's not about focusing on limitations and constraints. It's really about, you know, <clears throat> which is the foundation for positive psychology. It's really about focusing on a strengths-based approach. Mm-hmm. So all the research shows that if you understand people's strengths and you connect them to them and you can help them amplify and use them in different ways, that's a much faster path yeah. to development and also to achieving goals. And so I think positive leaders, first of all, as you said, they're willing to be vulnerable and empathetic. When you talked about what you know doesn't count anymore, it's not just because there's so much change and we're in this period of unrelenting uncertainty, you know, where, I mean, literally you don't know what's coming tomorrow or next week, but it's in that just basically changes the, the foundation of how, you know, any sort of stability or certainty that, you know, we kind of grew up with or that we thought we had, it's really sort of, for the most part, that's out the window. And so the things that we relied on in the past, our functional knowledge, our technical knowledge, our domain experience, our accomplishments, right? These are all the things that led us to senior roles in the companies that we're in or to into the roles that we've accomplished in our career. That's fine, but those are, that's just not enough anymore. Those are tools. Those are, Those tools. are just tools. And so now the real, the real tools and skills and the real value for leaders is being able to say, I don't know. I don't have the answers because none of us do in this environment. I need help. I need support and being vulnerable and empathetic. That's what I mean about being able to acknowledge that what you know doesn't count anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think that um, in some ways that's an asset, but it's also a liability for women um, because we naturally, I think, are more empathetic and we're more vulnerable, um, and we're more nurturing. And so I think that, and that's really sort of the model that I see emerging from the times we're in, and that's a very big part of, of positive leadership. Yeah, well, these soft skills, that's what they call the right. soft yeah. skills. <clears throat> but at the same time, women are very, because we're, you know, we, a lot of people have this imposter syndrome, or we feel like we're not worthy. I mean, I still have so many executive women Clients who are just like, oh, I don't really know. Should I put my hand up for this promotion? Can I really do it? Yeah. And so, women, I think, are you know getting better at this. Yeah. But they're, they're they're afraid about exposing themselves and saying, I don't have the answers, and that you know the the men around them are going to say, Well, she's yeah. not competent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a it's it's a two edged sword. This model for women who really can role model this and can do this much better just sort of organically than men, but they have to be willing to take risks and have the courage to say, you know what? I don't know. Let's just figure this out together. Yeah, not everybody, not everybody's going to no. like you or appreciate everything right. that you think and say. Uh, I'm yeah. dealing with an issue at my equestrian center right now. And finally, I said, I'm done. I'm done with this. You need to move on and you need to get this done. And I'm not taking side. There's only one. I told her, I said, there's only one side. It's mine. <laughs> no, you don't have your side. It's my side. It's what I need for you to do, and I need you to do it now. So I, I think, I think again, women, the ones that have support are the ones that we continue to have to nurture. But I, you, you support one woman just one time, and she, right. the confidence builds. And yeah. that's what Women Connect for Good is all about, is that yeah. we support women <clears throat> and support the women that are supporting other women. We lift as we rise. And the same thing with men, because men really do want to help. They just don't know how, and we don't ask in a way that we need their help. Same thing with women. Uh, white women, especially, you know, they've got that superwoman T-shirt underneath there, and they're and they're sure if they ask 
for any help, it will show their weakness right. and their vulnerability, right. and they will be left in the dust. But when, you, when what we're saying now, COVID, is truly the opportunity for men and women to see that what's important are relationships. <laughs> and inside companies, those are your be- those are your most important customers inside yeah. your company. Those five people will tell five other people how good or bad something is. But it starts with your customers inside your companies. I mean, these are truly the people. I mean, you you wouldn't get where you are today by yourself, would you? Did you get here by yourself? No, none of us, I think, have. No, nobody nobody gets anywhere alone. No. And uh, what are you sensing from these companies? Because you're you're used. I know the book's just coming out, and I know it's going to be extremely popular. It'll become a uh, part of your training as well. But uh, here are step by steps, and you know you use different terminology and and uh, but possibilities, opportunities, um, mm-hmm. change. You know, ninety percent of what we do is habitual. We know that. Yep, we know that. Yep. We are all, you know, if I walked in today or tonight and you were sleeping, I'll get into Bobby's bathroom and I move all her stuff around. I move your toothpaste over here, <laughs> I move your toothbrush over there. And you know, maybe I, I take your brush, put it somewhere else and deodorant, whatever. I just mess, I just mess up your bathroom. You get there in the morning and you go, where's my, what happened? And, and I, and I will guarantee you by the time you're ready to go and you're, you're going to be late because you're so used to doing things habitually, yeah. but, but we humans, just like you with your goggles, we have to be learned to be fluid and flexible. And this is something that a lot of people are not very good at. No, we're not. But, but isn't that what great leaders have to be? Yes. And I think if you think you're right, COVID has taught us that we need to be, I mean, you know, People went from working in the office to like three days later working from home. Yeah. And that agility and flexibility, I, again, I think women are better at that. But it goes back to what you said about the, you know, the the way the habitual responses that we generally use. And I this is one of the points I make in my, in my TED talk is like, look, you know, between 85 and 90 percent of the things that we do every day, you know, are, are automatic. Right. They're autopilot. Sure. And that's fine when you're backing your car out of the driveway or brushing your kids' teeth. I mean, whatever it is, right? But when you are in a position where you're you're you get kicked in the face, right? Or you get hit with a curveball, an unexpected situation, if you're not able to, through the discipline of self-awareness, to be able to stop and create some space so that you can create options and possibilities. If you automatically default to what's easy and what's reasonable, then you're going to be stuck in the status quo and you continue to do the same thing over and over again. And those same things, those same solutions that we used to use, they don't work for us anymore or we don't recognize them as working for us anymore. So it's about getting off of autopilot and about being more conscious about the choices you're making. And that opens you up to possibilities. So a lot of what, you know, I try to help people understand is the importance of, you know, just stopping and thinking and observing, right? And this whole thing about just being self-aware and creating that strategic awareness around your situation that says, what's really going on here? You know, is there an opportunity for me? And again, this is risky in some corporate environments, but my, you know, all the examples in my book are from executives who handle curveballs in that way. I mean, they took a risk to say, you know what, I'm not going to go with the status quo. I'm going to take a different path because I think this is going to create a more sustainable, sustainable team. It's going to create more generative options, you know, for, for myself or for my team. And they chose the road to, you know, to take a different path and try something different. Um, but it's really hard to do. And particularly now, as you know, 
I mean, naturally we're in that environment, but when we're in stress mode, I mean, you know, who's not these days? Yeah. I mean, for leaders, that compounded stress that now is present and has been because of COVID, I mean, it puts them in this like almost constant state, you know, of, uh, you know, living in stress mode. And, and you see the physiological and psychological, you know, impacts of that, right? I mean, people are just like, they're burnt out. You know, and I hear that from people who I feel are, are like super resilient. They're burnt out. And um, so then it becomes a personal health situation if you're not able to stop, try to take control of what you can and make a different choice. Yeah, but that, that goes back that goes back to the whole, whole emphasis of support. Leaders need support yeah. as well. Yeah. And when they're asking for help and they're bringing people in, you know, I, I mean, I do a lot of different things, but you know what? There's some things I like to do and there's some things I don't like to do right. and some things I'm good at and some things I'm not good at all at. So what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to go find somebody who likes to do the things I don't like to do. And I'm going to find somebody who can take all that. I mean, and I think that's what good leaders have to do right now is that they really are reaching out for the resources within their companies and developing some of those people that probably have been waiting on the sideline to right. come and, and be, be on the team all along. But, right. you know, and, and everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody. Of course, that's how we learn and how we yeah. grow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but risk taking, risk taking is what's yeah. going on right now. But uh, getting off of the the set point and and moving in different directions, I, I you know I kind of like it though. I get bored pretty easily. But uh, <laughs> you know, and and I think that's uh, you know when when you work with positive leadership and you really talk start talking to these leaders about all the possibilities, don't they get excited? Don't they get more excited about it? They do. It? Yeah, they definitely do. But they also, um, there's fear, right? And this fear that someone's, that there's going to be backlash, there's going to be criticism from their team, from their, you know, from their peers, from their boss. But the leaders that I've profiled in the book have really, I mean, they're so exemplary in their behavior. I mean, these are people, some of them are my clients, some of them are not, but they're leaders that I followed through the pandemic you know, through the media and just articles. And I just saw their behavior and I just thought, you know, these people get it. They get it and they know that these are really challenging times and they did take a lot of risks. Um, but they then they see what the possibilities are. And then when you take a risk, when you stop and you really think instead of like going on autopilot, okay, so what are the possibilities here? Let me think about a different option. I'll take a different course. The more often you do that, right? You gain momentum, you get courage, you know, and you sort of create this ball that, you know, that starts rolling where you say, okay, so now I, now I, I'm building this muscle that helps me to be able to take a different route and to create different options for myself and my team. Yeah. Well, and, and, and expect that things are going to come up and, and prepare for them, you know, yeah. like you said, and that, that might be, you know, looking around and seeing if you need more of this or more of that, but being prepared and, the, the the things that uh, you talk about are, are really common sense. There's a lot of common sense. I think so. Well, but think you, about you and your marathon, right? Like when you start off, when I get in the water at 7 a.m., I can't think about, you know, uh, am I going to like get blisters like at mile three or something 12 hours later, right? And then your marathon, when you're at the start line, you have no idea no. what's going to happen. Um, you know, whether, like you said, I mean, that day that was really hot, that could create all kinds of issues. And so yeah. when yeah. I say... You know, you can't plan, but you can prepare. Yeah. You just you have to be ready, you know, when something happens to say, okay, so, you know, all of a sudden the, the nutrition you trained with backfires on you. Okay, so now what am I going to do? 
Yeah. Or the shoes that you've been wearing, that your training shoes, it felt great like a week ago. All of a sudden now it's like, ah, you know, that doesn't feel so great or whatever, you know, like, yeah, the, you know, like the, the, the waistband on your running shorts, all of a sudden it starts to like chafe and irritate you and it never happened before. <laughs> so, all right, what am I going to do now? What's the, what's the course of action? How am I going to deal with this? And uh, I think as endurance athletes, we learn how to deal with uncertainty because, it, you know, we're not running an event that's like takes like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Yeah. It's hours and hours. So you just manage yourself through the process and you figure yeah. out, you know, how do I respond to situations? How do I regroup? The last thing you want to do is not finish and take yourself out of the race, right? Yeah. That's the last thing. Well, yeah, and and, and maybe it's not mm. going to be the finish that you would like more than anything, but uh, finishing is very important. But for women, and, and and again, I work with men, mostly women, but I'm bringing in men and women because we have to work together. But for women, it's fear. It's their yeah, fear. It of of being judged, it's fear, uh, it's the lack of com- uh, lack of confidence that they they need. So that you know, this is the population that uh, I'm really really inspired to help because I am a woman. I was a tomboy. Believe me, I did not want to be a girl. I did not want to be a girl. Boys were having much more fun as far as I know. Yeah, they were. But God, she had a great sense of humor. I had three daughters. So, you know, I mean, you start to you start to find and figure out this world is really about learning. Every single day is about yes. learning yeah. and being fluid and flexible. And those are things that a lot of people aren't doing very well at. And, and of course, one of the things that we really need to do, and I just want your thoughts about this, but getting women back in the workplace. So many yeah. women have left. And, and this yeah. is where maybe you could help with companies. How are they going to get these women back to work? And it may be them creating more flex time, better daycare. They can work from home. But we, we've got to figure out a better way to get people yeah. feeling good about being out there or, or wherever they are to really make to, the common goal of making the world a better place right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's those kinds of things, the benefits, you know, flexible and, uh, you know, daycare and all the things that that make it a little easier for women to be able to go back to work. But there's still sort of when we talked about like this culture, right, where um unless the people at the top and unless the people that you work for are really encouraging you to take risks and to make mistakes and, you know, to implement some of the concepts that I talked about, you know, in the book, then I think it's women are going to be at a disadvantage um, because it's always going to be like, well, you know, she took a risk and she failed. So, you know, I guess she's not going to be on the track anymore. And uh, it's having courageous leaders who are able to say, look, you know, the game has changed. And so we need to be more vulnerable. We need to be more empathetic. We need to be open to other people's perspectives. We don't have the answers. And to encourage that behavior and to say, you know, I want you to take a risk. You know, I want you to try this. And if you fail, it's okay. You know, we'll go on. We'll, you know, every decision is a good one until it's not, right? Well, we'll learn from it. and We'll, we'll learn from it. <clears throat> yeah, we'll learn from it. I'm excited about these times. But like you said, there are those people that unfortunately are going to get left behind. And, yeah. I, and I really don't want, you know, you should, a good team, you don't leave team members behind. So, but, but I, I think this is the time that we have to have positive leadership. We have to have uh, men and women thinking about possibilities and opportunities to really yes. for everyone, for everyone. But it's really about the common goal that we really all have to work about, uh, work together on. So, all right, last but not least, what are some of your, what, what would be some of your, uh, pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share before we stop and then find out where to get your book. Okay. Thank you. Um, 
Well, we talked about seeing what's possible. I mean, that's really the whole sort of premise of the work that I'm doing. And I think if leaders can even just, you know, take, just take a, a minute, right? When you're in the middle and you're, you know, I tell my clients, you know, being triple booked, you know, on your calendar does not allow you to see what's possible, right? So how do you, how do you realize what you can and can't control? And when there's something that comes along your way that you can't control, how do you stop and just think for a minute about what are the possibilities, what opportunities are created in this problem or this crisis or this issue that I can create something that's more generative and sustainable for myself and for my team instead of just reacting and responding with what you've done in the past because that's not likely to work. So it's just this building that self-awareness mm-hmm. I think is really important. Um, you know, and the other thing when we talked about relationships because we're moving so quickly and because there's so much internal change uh, going on. And, you know, I did a, uh, some research with tech execs last year and I said, what's the biggest curveball that you've ever faced? And almost 50% of them said, you know, reorgs, internal change. And, you, you know, you think with all the ones that are happening that we would get used to it, but you never do. You know, I mean, it really becomes earth shattering sometimes when all of a sudden you're in a different team or your boss left or, yeah. um, and for that reason, I think women in particular are an advantage because that forces you to build your network outside of sort of the natural group of people that you rely on. Because if all of a sudden now you're in a different department, you're in a different team, the people that you relied on for advice and support, I mean, your network could change overnight. Yeah. And so being more intentional about the relational resources that you create and you develop, you're reaching out to people that, you know, across the enterprise who can help you. I mean, it's really a natural, I think networking, because it's really just getting to know people and learning about them is a natural gift sure. that most women have. But again, they're sort of reluctant because they're busy. If I'm not working hard and I'm saying part of your work and part of your goal is to invest in your network. Um, particularly now, because, you know, the velocity of, of change in executive networks is only going to increase. Yeah. Well, they said companies right now, one of the most important things they learned, this was during the diversity conference, was that they realized reaching out to uh, their customers and and continuing to build relationships was the most important thing they could yes. ever do. Yes. Companies. Now, how are you doing? What can we do to help right. you? I mean, and, and again, isn't that wonderful when somebody just calls you up and says, hey, right. Bobby, how, how's it going? How's your yeah. training going? How can I help you? Is there anything yeah. I can do for you? Can I, you know, get you this or that? It, it makes you feel good. Yeah. It makes you feel absolutely so yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Well, where can they get the book and learn more about you and find out about how you're, about your seventh iron man? man. <laughs> I I'm going to have a hard time with it. You know, I will. I just, you know. You're funny. Yeah, no, you're, you're funny. A hard time with it. But, uh, so where, where do they find the book? So the book is on Amazon. So the, the ebook and the soft cover are on Amazon as of yesterday. The hard cover is going to be probably another week or so. So you can go to Amazon um, and it's available there. And then also my website, which is just bobbylaporte.com. Um, there's lots of resources there. There's some chapters of the book there. Uh, I do a monthly newsletter. It's not really a newsletter, but I have a business update. And then I have a training update, which sort of takes what am I learning in my training that relates to leadership. So people can always sort of check that out. And I talk about, you know, what book am I reading? And just some little, it's sort of a short and sweet little kind of missive that goes out once a month. But you can follow my training for this next Ironman through that. And there's also, you know, um, besides a newsletter, I do a weekly video log every Monday morning, just like a two or three minute. Here's something you might want to think about. So that's a good place to just follow me and find out more about the work I'm doing and see how I might support some of the people who are your who are your listeners and your subscribers. Yeah, well, we'll 
I don't do these just to, to do them one time and go goodbye. Mine is about to is building this community of yeah. like-minded men and women that we can really come together and share all of our thoughts and our energy and opportunities and mm-hmm. be vulnerable, be vulnerable with each other. But uh, yes. Bobby, c- congratulations on your book. I know Thank it's you. extremely successful and good luck in your next triathlon. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'd love to keep track of, of what's going on. Yeah. Here. Thank you. So, oh, I, I feel privileged to be part of the community that you were talking about. So thank you for including me. Yes. And it's not, uh, nice to meet a fellow tomboy. <laughs> But remember, one of the things I challenge you to do is, and your listeners to become a part of the uh, Lift Women Up As You Rise, the Lift yeah. Women Up campaign. So yeah. every day you lift yourself, lift somebody else as you rise. That's what we got to do. If we did Good that reminder, I agree. Every, every single day, just think what the world would be like. It'd be yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, Bobby, thank you, thank you for your leadership. All things. Yeah, uh, thank you for your leadership in that. All right. Thanks again, Dr. Nancy, for having me as a guest. Enjoy the holiday. You too. Happy okay. Thanksgiving. All right. Same to Bye-bye. you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening.